0: The Talent Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. And I'm here today with Carl Schlaer, Chief Data Scientist at 3D Results. Carl, are you there?
1: Hi there, Al. Good day, everyone.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us. Super appreciate it. Hey, uh, before we jump into the topic at hand, namely people analytics, uh, you mind giving the audience a brief overview of who you are, your background, what you're up to now? That'd be great.
1: Sure. Uh, so first of all, 3D Results, We uh, you may not have heard of us. We're a boutique SAP Factors implementation partner. Uh, and so my role there being chief data scientist, which means I help uh, customers, Success Factors customers, in all of their uh, analytic modules. Uh, but uh, the decade before that, I have had a bunch of retail experience. I'm really a practitioner uh, internal building uh, HR analytic teams and helping drive business outcomes.
0: Well, Carl, your reputation precedes you. Of course, you've been in this field longer than most, and I say that complimentary um, because there have been a lot of people who've come in and out of it. I mean, you know, what it appeals to you about you know, people, talent analytics, and you know, how do you define it? You know, what, why is it so talked about these days? Mm.
1: Well, what appeals and how do I define it are two for things. Um, I think that the, uh, the appeal part is there's a, it's almost a narcotic to creating business results um, that influences the HR brand and our, our own little analytic teams that I just, I can't uh, leave. And so that's why I've stayed, uh, and even in my current role, I'm helping clients uh, build and, and uh, staff their analytic teams and figure out their software. Uh, so it's, the, it's that um, tangible outcomes that is really uh, addicting almost Um But how would I define it? Uh, HR analytics, why is it so talked about? You know, if I – let me give you like a crawl, walk, run perspective to that. Uh, It's important because we can uh, do all kinds of things with HR processes. That's the crawl side. We can measure and uh, and influence HR strategies. That's the walk side. But ultimately, we can connect it to business results and business value. And that elevates HR to a level that – we've been wanting to get to for years.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, particularly in retail, that's a great uh, platform by which to link the employee experience to the customer experience and in turn financial outcomes. Is that right?
1: Yeah. In fact, early on in my career, I got to be part of that uh, famous HBR article.
0: The, and that was uh, the Sears Surface Profit that, Chain. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that linkage results. That kind of maybe started me in this whole thing
0: wow can- can you you know, speak to that and the subsequent work you did uh at home depot uh
1: that's a that's a big thing um can you make that just a little
0: yeah just uh, what um some of the highlights of the accomplishments the type of work you know, you, you and i have spoken in the past talking yeah. about employee behavior and understanding what drives it in terms of leader communication, yeah. uh, what it affects in terms of customer satisfaction. Uh, you know, can you share a little bit of you know, what that work looked like f- for you in terms of uh, what results ensued or some of the techniques that you put in place?
1: Yeah, great, great. Uh, sure. Uh, so maybe you'll have to edit me if i because the analyst in me sometimes a little long-winded Al, um but you said (laughs) behaviors and that's the critical thing is behaviors because a lot of times the the data from our hr systems is not easy to even make visible right so we're happy to like oh have compressed it cleaned it treated it and visualized it in some way Uh, and so then we begin measuring things um but we don't really that's not enough. What we want to do is we want to influence the behaviors of our employees or of our leaders. And so um, all too often we're kind of measuring, uh, let's just say, the temperature outside, but what we really want to influence is the way people dress for work or have an umbrella the next day. And so Mm -hmm. uh, an example of that in in the performance management space um, uh, from retail is uh, we we had, in one of my roles, we had redefined – the job of a frontline supervisor to, to really be the coach, uh, the mentor, their, their number one role was to make their teams successful. Uh, that's the behaviors we wanted them uh, influencing them. We wanted them, you know, on their, uh, on the, the sales floor coaching and developing their team, not in the back office. We didn't want them um, in email. You know, we wanted them dealing with customers and employees. And so the, the, the measurement strategy that influenced those behaviors was, was really around what um, we call a participation rate. But we, we displayed for managers the, all their team. Uh, maybe it was a team of 10, maybe it was a team of 30. And the rate at which those team members were participating in their primary goals kept it simple. Everybody had three. Um, and so the participation rates of these managers uh, helped us understand and almost quantify the digital fingerprints of leadership people who had very poor participation rates of their teams, Well, we knew we needed more from them in terms of coaching development. People who had very high participation rates, um, well, we knew to celebrate them and almost have them become mentors of other, um, of other new hires or other uh, people cycling through those roles.
0: Sure. And, yeah, you know, As you're talking, I'm thinking about the distinction that we've talked about in the past between kind of basic analytics Analytics, descriptive statistics and the more advanced uh statistical uh analysis that can be done that is appropriate in some circumstances but it's not appropriate in all circumstances uh, can you speak to that distinction between kind of you know basic uh maybe reporting and cluster analysis and advanced analytics is that an important distinction for you
1: i uh, it's a, a very important one and um for a a couple of reasons, first of all, uh, the predictive, real fancy stuff is a little bit overhyped in the media uh, in terms of the promise of what it can do or how simple it is or how much value it might provide uh, Mm -hmm. people. And I I think that's all kind of over sensationalized. The other side of that, Al, is I think um, the operational stuff, while it is not necessarily uh, sexy work for us, um, it's important. And if we fall down on our, on our ability to help the business just keep the lights on or, or run or understand vacancy rates or what's happening in talent acquisition, if we fall down there, we don't earn the right to do bigger, more strategic, more important things. And so um, w- what does kind of that mean? It means that uh, my, my personal work experience has helped me think about uh, nearly half the time I should be working on the operational um, uh, and whether that's outliers or process improvements or, um, or better ways of visualizing and distributing that information, making it more self-service. Um, and uh, I, I shouldn't chase the bright, shiny, predictive stuff um, too, too hard. This doesn't mean don't augment it, don't get better. Um, but even using that example that I gave you, we created um, th- ways to measure leader behaviors. We didn't do use any predictive algorithms, um, but what we did is we, we figured out how to quantify um, a need or, or help bring visible the behaviors of leaders, and that was super valuable. In fact, uh, the, the finance folks called it worth $100 million of incremental margin just in my first 12 months of that uh, deployment. And so, wow,
0: that's a big number. Um,
1: that's a big number, and, uh, you know, that, that there is a use for predictive um, but I just, and there's the use for very advanced stats, uh, which are becoming easier and easier for us. But I I just caution people to try to start there or or spend ninety percent of their time there.
0: Right, and you just said something that I I'm so excited uh, that you brought up because, it, in my view, um, an analytics strategy uh, needs to be preceded by a measurement strategy. So what I heard you say is the just capturing the measures in that leadership uh, understanding leadership behavior example was almost as valuable as the analysis that you did uh, subsequently because now you could actually understand what was happening and what wasn't happening. Again, is that a fair statement?
1: Uh, A very fair statement, also one that was not easy uh, because it references the integration of my people data uh, with my business data. And so uh, we were connecting uh, registers to basically a time card our clock data uh, and then understanding who was doing it. So it, I, it, it probably took me a year to put that foundation in place um, mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to kind of accurately and in a way that uh, all of the different users kind of uh, were willing to adopt or to deal with the change management related to it.
0: Yeah, you know, with that in mind, it's interesting. Many leaders uh, don't uh, really have a background. In advanced analytics, let alone people analytics. So, what um, or did you socialize the need to be patient, or did you earn the patience by putting out the standard uh, reports that uh, you know they were asking for? Uh, you know, this whole concept of momentum and, and building capability over time. Can you speak to the journey a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, in in that example, we're talking about a very small HR team. Um, trying to uh, create value for itself, for HR, uh, trying to integrate to the business. But uh, for lots of good reasons and some just uh, siloed or political reasons, sometimes internal in an organization, it's not really willing to share data with itself. Um, this is, uh, you know, customer data, and it doesn't go to the marketing department. Or this is uh, employee data, and it doesn't get shared with operations. Um, and so the the trick that I did was uh, – we automated the coaching process or basically pre-printed the performance reviews. Um, and I sold that in terms of I could save something like 20,000 management hours in, in the annual review cycle. And wow. uh, a, a, a thin retailer is very happy to uh, take any kind of manual stuff away. Um, and so I, I said, hey, listen, I can really automate this and take some of the burden away and create basically like a print-and-go approach to having the conversation, the much more valuable part of it, instead of all this compiling. And so I got them to sign up and share their data with me, um, really on on a pure, let me help them make their job easier. Uh, And then uh, we started to do some real valuable things with it.
0: Interesting. So you have an uh, uncommon alumni network out there. In other words, (laughs) you have – Yeah. So can you also just share a little bit about the teams that you have developed? And let's say someone's just starting out and building a people analytics capability. What's their first one or two hires? And what would your recommendation be there?
1: Yeah, good. I'm glad you asked me this because it is something I uh, am passionate about. And and so, you know, 10 years ago, people weren't putting uh, HR and analytics together. And so we had to we didn't even really know what we were supposed to be working on, but um, I grew uh, one team from two to four to seven, uh, a different assignment. I had ultimately 17 people on my teams. And so thinking through who should I hire and in what sequence do I hire them um, is something I, I help customers with. It's something I think I have a pretty unique perspective on. Um, and, uh, and and so, you know, the the, the first thing to say there is don't run out and buy a statistician. Um, you're almost better served with uh, um, an IO psychologist or, or someone from the business side. Um, people who, who traditionally answer compensation are sometimes from finance. We've got kind of a, uh, I often hear them say I joined the dark side, but it depends on which side of the equation you'll, you'll hear them say whether finance or HR <laughs> is the, is the positive or the negative of that, um, but uh, so finance people uh, business people, strategy people, I.O. psychologists, you're looking for a different background um, uh, because traditionally our schools and our upbringing in HR doesn't really, it hasn't helped us here. Um, but it, 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 what's tricky is this space is somewhat technology and data related. There's uh, some advanced math connected to it. Um, there's so much change management and uh, storytelling and um, implementation to our, our job. Um, and so it it's, uh, creates this kind of nebulous mix of skills that we need. Um, and so as teams grow over time, I'd love to see, you know, when you have four people, well, go invest in uh, someone with advanced math skills. But until then, uh, you know, a, a regular analyst is going to do you, help you a ton. And someone with unique perspective or the business perspective uh, will really help the HR research, the HR work, and then kind of the deployment of those those
0: um, things. Yeah, and yeah. You know, so what I'm hearing at the outset, it's ideal to have uh, people on your team with all those skills to. Uh, a certain degree, and that would be the ideal case moving forward. Yet, uh, people are going to enter into the field with different uh, domain expertise, whether it be data and technology, whether it be you know, analysis or that advanced math you speak of, or even organizational yeah. change and and internal influence. Is, is that what uh, accurate summary? It is. So
1: it's such a pretty rare breed that one person who's good at all of it who can uh, mm-hmm. stand in front of the CEO, but also help facilitate a, a town hall and uh, collect uh, kind of survey um, feedback, right? So think about building your team in augmenting what gaps in skills that maybe you personally don't have. Um, and, and so sometimes uh, the, the person challenged with leading the team comes from a strong technology side. Well, that's great. Um, you know, make sure you partner yourself with kind of change management um, or if you come on the, from the quantitative perspective and have the analysis and the math, we'll make sure that your your uh, your next hire complements what you're not strong at.
0: Sure, and so we've talked about you know, the team. We've talked about distinctions between advanced analytics and you know the descriptive statistics for reporting. Um, we've talked about you know an example of more advanced work that you've done. What does this all mean to? the future of work and specifically how talent is going to be acquired and developed. Uh, what are your thoughts there?
1: Hmm. Um, I, I'm a little scared at the world my daughters will grow up into uh, because everything will be quantified and uh, AI engines will be, and algorithms will be ruling all of our actions um, in the future of work. Like, so the, the term, I'm not sure about um, the short term I think it it just brings a, a lot of opportunity where h r can embed itself into the the productivity or the business processes and and we can have the stronger partnership that um geez that we've wanted since we were personnel departments
0: right, and you know, the idea that we are going to have you know so much data uh, out there also presents. Uh, The idea that we can fall into this analysis paralysis, that we have to find the signals in the noise, which uh, intimidates a lot of folks. It gets into the realm of, you know, big data and big data engines, you know, like Hadoop and Hive and and those types of tools. I mean, is that a, a distraction over the short term or would you recommend leaders start planning towards that eventuality?
1: You just process
0: that for one minute, Al. Um, I, mean the, I know it's kind of a big question, <laughs> particularly given the nuances of a specific organization and a specific industry.
1: Yeah, but see that, and so when I, because technology has always been changing and, you know, we weren't in the cloud all that long ago um, and we everything had to be done on-prem and everything had to be done really slow and we were filling up Excel files and, and so technology is always changing. I think the space that I would say invest in or that I, I think is very future-proof is um, the space around kind of connecting disparate systems. Um, yeah. it, it could be data, but it could be processes, um, and, and telling stories with it. And so, you know, my, maybe the future is of my job is data plumber rather than data scientist because a lot of the algorithms will be taking care of the advanced stuff. Um, but I'm still going to need to kind of connect data and then, uh, you know, influence behaviors with it, a.k.a. tell stories.
0: Yep. Yep. And so what I hear you saying, t- that goes back to the the measurements being, you know, arguably as important as the uh the analysis and if you're able to put the measures together, the data together, then the stories almost emerge—not uh, necessarily on their own—but you would need some way to visualize it and and analyze it. But you know that's almost the heavy lifting, that that plumbing you're speaking of. Is that you know again a fair statement?
1: Yeah, it's very fair. Um, I mean that without the good measurement strategy, you could fall in the classic trap of just crushing people under way too many things
0: yeah yeah and particularly when you think about the external data that's uh you know out there with you know linkedin and and the quantified self uh you know with the wearables and so forth is that something that's coming across your radar right now or do you think that's just around the corner
1: uh it's coming and I mean, I've been in, even just just this month, which we're only halfway through, it's been about conference room utilization and, hey, when the lights turn on, can I confirm that the calendar invite that was booked and so am I using my space efficiently? Um, I've also been part of some uh, um, uh, sensors and scanners in in different conference and break rooms to do that. Uh, I've seen wearables and tones, but um, the it's all cool and sexy, but it's, it's, um, I, I've been hard. It's been hard for me to quantify the business
0: results of some of that. Right. And, you know, if the business results are the, you know, the uh, Holy grail, so to speak, you know, the, the place that we as a discipline need to get to within our respective organizations, uh, a twofold question, yet they're related. Um, it's easy to ask, how do you get there? But um, what, governance body or steering committee, whatever you want to call it, uh, should be overseeing this? Because you mentioned facilities right there when you talk about space utilization, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, obviously learning, there's comp, there's, um, you, you know, even legal could uh, you know, jump in here when we talk about diversity analysis and, and comp analysis and fair pay. Uh, so you know, are you seeing steering committees or governance bodies emerge that help uh, identify their priorities and say, okay, this is the business impact that I want to see if it's holding true or what's driving, you know, um, sales or, or customer satisfaction or whatever, or is it, you know, there's one, you know, leader that you're, you know, catering to. Uh, what are you seeing there?
1: I think uh, so it might be a unfair categorization, but the large companies, uh, the people who have, are more than five resources dedicated to this space I am seeing them begin with uh, uh, having a, a more formal HR governance space and I'll, I'll say the word HR it might have legal it might have health and safety uh, it certainly has all of the classic functions around recruiting and, and comp and it's important because when we even might use job families or job roles differently um, and so governance these governance team can help us make investments in future systems or enhancements or help with uh, data issues, but they also help with the research agenda. So what are the priority things that will help HR? Um, I haven't seen too much of like a a holistic enterprise analytics governance. Um, And so I've done some creative things with different various teams, Um, but it's almost been uh, as an accidental collision, as a matter of opportunity, um, yep. uh, that that I've done it uh, rather than a planned effort.
0: Yeah. And you know, with that in mind, I, I see a few companies now, you know, particularly those who have done QBRs, quarterly business reviews, also now having an HR or talent uh, component to that. So a quarterly workforce review or a quarterly workforce review and plan, something to that order. Um, number one, do you see, that um, yourself to any measure and if not do you sense it would be a good idea to have a kind of a formal target to deliver insight and, and plans
1: and this is a you're speaking about QBRs like quarterly
0: yeah having a, a talent component to QBRs yeah is that a good idea I would,
1: I would tell you that um, if you're you know remotely successful in your role and creating some kind of value in this space, um, very soon, it, it might take you six months, it might take you 18 months, very soon you're going to have two or three extra demand that you can support. Um, everybody seems to want kind of a quality source of information or um, someone who can help them make sense of this problem. And what, what that means is you without... A governance body to help you prioritize your research, you will drown. Uh, you'll become like a victim of your own success, basically, and then yep. the urgency takes over, and then you're actually not accomplishing anything strategic like you may have set out to do at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, with that in mind, yeah, you know, it's often said that. Uh, okay, as opposed to starting with the data, as opposed to starting with the technology, that you should understand you know, who your key decision maker or makers are, then find out the questions they want or need to know. Um, is that an approach that you, know, you take, or is there an and in there? I mean, if someone was just getting started, you know, what would be the first uh, couple few steps that you'd recommend they take?
1: Yeah. Um, and so you're right that about the question, and that – that classic advice about uh, find your stakeholders or your decision makers, find out what what questions they have. Um, question-based elements it, it, that's a great thing. I'd almost I'd almost say that start with a business problem, um, and uh, because you can build momentum faster there. Sometimes the questions that these business leaders want answered will take years and years. Am I closing the gaps, the skill gaps in the primary competencies I need uh, for my, to achieve my strategic plan. Like it would take years to kind of build the measurement strategy for that. Um, yep. and so I like to look for the chaos or the pain, the business problem. Um, and, uh, and then it, is it a scalable one, right? Uh, is it something I can repeat across business lines or something I can grow? Uh, and so if I can find a scalable business problem, that's a great place to start.
0: Yeah. You know, Yeah. You know, our work you know, you, you have your internal stakeholders, you know, they have their certain expectations, you know, there's this idea of analytics, it sounds cool, sounds smart. Um, yet, how do you manage expectations? Because our work is challenging at times, uh, if not most of the time, yet we do it because of, you know, I have an idea of why I do it. But I want to know what keeps you into it, despite the you know challenges of it? I mean, what, what drives you?
1: Uh, what drives me versus how do I manage client expectations are different. Um, it's, it's the, the driving part is that, uh, is that kind of elevating the brand of HR. Uh, if I do this job right, I can actually make the lives of my employees better. Right? I can reward internal people who should be rewarded. I can create um, kind of internal promotion rates or uh, distribute uh, scarce resources. That, that could be training, that could be compensation. I can distribute it more equitably. I can make sure the goals are set appropriately, right? So I can improve the lives of, of my people while elevating the brand of HR and creating business results. Like, that's what keeps me in this space. Yep. Um, but the setting expectations of my stakeholders, though, that's harder because there's almost more I can't do than when I can do. Or it, what, what I mean by that is whenever we have this research problem, um, there's so many layers to it. And so it's, it's difficult to decide when's the appropriate time to stop. Um, yep. um, it, and it's very likely you're going to start with a business problem. You know, you'll, you'll solve it. And there's, there might be five other things more valuable for the organization to do than to go in and iterate that business problem to, to make it even better. Um, and so that's where you can lean on these uh, governance bodies or a research agenda uh, to help, Make the decision for you, or liberate you Mm -hmm. from that.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very well said, and yeah, I couldn't you know echo it and emphasize it you know more. Um, we have a couple minutes left, and I just want to ask if you have any. Uh, tidbits of advice for the audience. You know, again, those who are either starting up or, you know, taking the next step and advancing on their particular journey. I mean, what would you, how would you summarize you know, the best next steps for them?
1: There's the, the, the phrase, I, I still tell myself this all the time. I started saying it a lot. It's, it, I think it's attributed to Arthur Ashe, like a 1970s African-American Wimbledon player. But uh, start where you are, uh, do what you can, use what you have. And um, it's a simple three-sentence thing. And so sometimes we're put in these positions without any staff, without the right systems, without any direction. And, but, like, start where you are. Uh, and, and maybe I don't have access to Hadoop or giant servers or data scientists, but do what you can. You know, scrounge around with your internal resources um, to help you uh, analyze a business problem, right? Um, and, uh, and, and use the resources that are at your disposal. It's it's summer, maybe that's an intern, um <laughs> uh, maybe you put that in the planning process for next year um but that his his practical quote there just i just repeat to myself all the time so I, that I don't get trapped uh where analysts typically do
0: yeah, I mean, that's beautiful, that's one of my heroes, arthur rash, there so i I you know appreciate oh. it and. I had never put it in in this context, so uh, I couldn't say it was more appropriate. So, hey, Carl, thanks for being with me today and and sharing your insights and ideas. I I super appreciate it.
1: Excellent to be part of it, Al. Thank you very much. All
0: right. This is Al Adamson with the Talent Strategy Institute. I've been here today with Carl Schlaer, Chief Data Scientist at 3D Results. Thank you for joining us and I look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. All the best. Thanks for listening to the Talent Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. For other podcasts and to learn about upcoming events, please visit talentstrategyinstitute.com.